Welcome to Estradi Illusions episode. I guess this will be episode 10, but uh, the orders are all still out of line. Haven't figured that out yet, but this will be episode. This will be the Game of Thrones recap episode four. The great panel of guests to dissect all of the Winterfell moments, the lack of direwolf petting and the flying arrows in the sky. Uh, let's introduce our guests. Uh, I'll start off with Clint, who's back from Washington, D.C. That is correct. Hi, uh, my name is Clint. Uh, I write about Game of Thrones on lawsoficeandfire.com um, and also at Westeros Law on Twitter and Clint W on Twitter. I am excited to be back on the one and only Game of Thrones recap podcast that exists at all. All of a sudden, my existence feels really undermined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got you got destroyed in the snap. I did. Yes, um, <laughs> I knew I lost some weight. Um, my name is Alexandra August. Uh, I write. I'm a freelance writer. You can see my writing about Game of Thrones and lots of other genre work at Comic Book Resources, Screen Rant, Fandom, and soon Star Trek dot com. Um, wow. Yeah, and I, I also yeah, it was exciting. Off topic, but I'm excited. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, I also co-host the Got Thrones podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at ALX August. The, uh, the other Game of Thrones recap podcast, sorry. <laughs> the other one. Yes, I forgot about that other one. I apologize. There's two. There's only two. There's only yeah. one other one. Anyways, I am Thomas Hankins. Um, most of my Thrones writings these days are academic. I study spirituality and culture. And uh, I am very excited to be joining today. And you do not have a Game of Thrones podcast of your own. It was eliminated. Oh, okay, okay. okay. That just I'm I'm yeah. just glad we're we have to keep all of the. I don't want to have to be able to. I don't want to have to use both hands to count them. So that it was very convenient for our feeds. I think. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, what was uh convenient for Game of Thrones though was that half. Well, the first half hour of the episode took place in Winterfell with a celebratory party of all the people who didn't die after they celebrated getting rid of Ser Jorah with that great <laughs> scene where they burned his dead body. Um, I really... He's dead, like, Yank. He's dead. <laughs> he got what he deserved. <laughs> on Thursday, I'm recording an episode all about Ser Jorah, which will be coming at you guys Soon, hopefully, oh, the Sir Jorah uh, dunking will never end. I'll probably talk about him on completely unrelated podcasts, but for for all intents and purposes of this episode, I'll try not to talk about Sir Jorah anymore, other than it was great to see him, his, uh, you know, ashes. Hopefully, Ghost went over and peed on his ashes <laughs> on the way off out of uh, Winterfell. <laughs> what do you think uh, Danny whispered to to jorah oh i don't care don't care i hate i just i hate gimmicks like that i hated it in um lost in translation it's like i hated it when when you know uh liana when we had it like in that season finale a couple of years ago when liana whispered to ned and we're like oh my god what's his name like it's just i think it it's 
needless speculation. It's just fanning speculation needlessly. Like, I'm sure it was something intimate and lovely. It's clearly not going to be a secret that matters in the end of the plot. And it was about her Starbucks. I don't, I also don't trust D and D to like write anything good beyond that. So when I saw it happen, I was like, fuck you guys. I'm not even checking that there's closed <laughs> captions. So then you know, there isn't. There Sorry. Wasn't. I didn't want <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, telling him that somebody else has to pick up her Starbucks now. <laughs> yes. So that the cups are, so that the cups are in the shot. Congratulations on curing grayscale. It was just to herself. Why do you smell like dog? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was a yeah, that was a good uh, point to say goodbye. But then they started uh, they started moving forward. Uh, not really mourning the dead all that much, but they, uh, you know, kudos to Gendry who gets to find who's whoever's squatting in Storm's End. He has to kick them out, and they're playing with Renly's old sex toys in his magazines. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Euron has killed them all, because why would you not take yeah, over he found all the of the yeah. abandoned castles and just stack the Golden Company in Storm's End? And just, anyway. Um, I mean, did they leave anybody in Dragonstone to uh, you know keep, keep an eye out for the uh, hidden fleet? Clearly not. Clearly not. I mean, I mean... The books make a clear distinction that Stannis has left uh, people at Dragonstone and Storm's End. Like, it goes out of the way to establish that. I just, like, I love that they had the they had the line that said how many Dothraki and Unsullied were left. You know, that's something that you don't always expect the show to say, how many troops they have left. But, you know, does Danny just leave everybody behind? Who's advising her about this kind of stuff? I, no one like this is a, this is my like huge issue with this show and this season in general is that it's like there's clearly there's very little connective tissue and there's like nobody is playing like nobody's being written to their smartest and like if Stan, like if this was that, that is a great way yeah to put like, it. if Stannis were here this was season two or season three Stannis would be like okay well we need to live in we need to leave an auxiliary force in Dragonstone like that would have been a discussion and. It's frustrating to me that not only wasn't it a discussion that Danny would just lit- we're supposed to believe that Danny, who conquered half of Essos before she was twenty, and I've tweeted this, so I'm sorry if it sounds repetitive, would fly on back to Dragonstone with two dragons in broad daylight. I just, ugh. I'm sorry. I will, I'll try not to be super negative this show, but that's annoying. No, I mean you you bring up uh, a good point. And, and another thing is that, you know, during the Winterfell scene where they're all talking about um, we've got this many troops left, here's the plan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, multiple people bring up the Iron Fleet and how, you know, hopefully it's not around King's Landing. If we run into the Iron Fleet, what, you know, what are we going to do? Like the dragons will take them out. That's what John says. And so when they eventually, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, when, when, uh, they eventually get to Dragonstone and the Iron Fleet's there. They're just like totally taken by surprise by this notion that they had talked Whoa. about just literally Whoa. minutes before in the show. Uh, it, it was sort of. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. You know what? No one does talk about, though, is the giant ass arrows, which almost killed her dragon like, you know, a couple months ago, I guess, in Showtime. Uh, no one says. Do you think maybe they made more of those? Or do <laughs> yeah. you think that one giant ass arrow is the only one that ever existed? They just had the one. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. I started my written recap today talking about how last season 
Tyrion basically pulls Danny aside and says, you know, don't invade King's Landing. You'll burn everybody if you do it. You can't just kill Cersei. You'll kill her, all of them. Don't do it. Do all of this stuff. Let her just stay there. And that was just terrible advice because w- what Cersei did was, you know, if you let Cersei sit around and plot, she's going to outsmart you. And Eventually, if given enough out- time. If given several months. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't even want to say she outsmarted them. What she did was she took that free time and used it wisely. <laughs> she made, right. she, she designed more of those crossbows to, to shoot dragons out of the sky. And how do you think they, how do you think they practiced shooting the dragon? You know, it's like people do like a sporting clays version of dragons, throwing them up in the air and firing the big thing. Cool. I, yeah. I think they were just like, stick them with the pointy thing. If it's a big thing in the sky, just shoot, shoot towards it. <laughs> shoot that. Just shoot, yeah. shoot the big flying yeah. lizard. But how will we know what it's a dragon? <laughs> You'll know. You'll know. Yeah, it could just be a uh, commuter dragon trying to get people from the Vale to uh, Dorne. <laughs> oh, I wrote an article for a fandom a couple, like last year, I think, that just um, about why I think that all the dragons need to die um this season because i just are you getting your wish i know i'm like last night i was like gee i also wrote one about you know the fact that Tyrion is going to betray daenerys and last night i was like god i fucking hate being right this was really fun a year ago now i'm just really depressed um yeah but it part of that was because they're kind of these they're like essentially super weapons and if danny wants to break the wheel she can't really do it with a dragon at her back she can't roll with this like you know this this threat of punishment at her back and um I just no. I just I didn't yep. realize what else I could do with the dragons. You just gave me a great solution. Westeros could have mass transport, mass transit. Yeah, and I mean it was upsetting because we knew one of the big running plot lines of this season was that the dragons weren't eating enough sheep because it was cold. So Rhaegal was flying south to have a nice lamb feast at Dragonstone. He was expecting uh, lamb chops to be prepared by the castle in a Dragonstone. He doesn't even get to enjoy them. Really well, I hadn't even thought about that, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, to dial it back to Winterfell, which is where we were supposed to be before, I think I'm the one who got us off track, so uh, my own fault. But um, let's, let's just let's, let's talk about the feast. Whoever has feast things to say that don't have anything to do with dragons, let's start with that. For me, this was the, I, I think it was one of the better parts of the episode. Um, in general, my sort of 50,000 foot view of this episode is that, uh, you know, I think it was very effective in setting the table, but it wasn't very yeah. enjoyable for me to watch. And, and mm. um, it, if, you know, it, it, it lays out what the conflicts will be in the end game, but the way it's looking, I'm not really excited to view that end game, if that makes sense. But, yeah. you know, like this, this um, feast scene, uh, I think was, was really nice, um, really well done. I loved the Danny and Gendry stuff. Um, I'm setting aside, or I believe his name was was it Gendry Snow or Gendry Rivers? No, no I know, Rivers. I know, but like, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's just <laughs> sorry. You guys are ruining my joke. No, uh, I mean, like, um, yeah, like say, they say his name is Rivers. Obviously, it should be Waters to the extent that he has a last name, but whatever, whatever. We're setting, oh, yeah. we're setting all that aside. Um, I'll put in a laugh track. Yeah, for if you. you can, please, I'd appreciate it. 
Um, but I, you know, I love that, that exchange. And I, I also really enjoyed, you know, Gendry just like running directly to Arya with this idea, like, um, and, and the interactions between Arya and Gendry were, I think, incredibly well set up. There's that obvious callback to like season one where Arya says, you know, that's not me. Um, she's not a lady that's Sansa. Um, so I loved all that stuff. I loved this, the, um, stuff with, um, with Sansa and the Hound with some exceptions. I, I don't understand why. Oh, we'll talk about yeah. those. <laughs> yeah. The, the dialogue was rough. I mean, yep. and, sorry, like rough, it, literally, um, but finally they gave, they gave us an interaction between those two characters that were so important to each other. Um, you know, I liked the Danny and John stuff. I liked the sort of, um, general like mood of reverie. Um, but again, then you, you, with almost every interaction where it was like, yeah, that was great. Like that sounds and the hound scene. There's the one thing where you're or one or two things where you're like, man, did they have to do it that way? Really? Um, and so I, that's what that just sort of contributed to my overall unease with this episode. I think my, the only thing to add for me is uh, my big takeaway from that portion of the episode in Winterfell was, I thought the effective part was realizing that, Oh, Daenerys is alone here. Like you, she is truly not a Westerosi person, right? She, her friends, her cultural expectations of what a feast would be like, <laughs> et cetera, you know, all these things uh, are not Winterfell, right? And are not Westerosi. And how I thought they did a good job of showing how disconcerting that is to realize, oh, you think you've been meant for this thing your whole life but you actually maybe don't even like it there. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, this was one of the moments um, where somebody, somebody mentioning how this season really felt rushed and how we were feeling the six episodes. This was one of those moments for me because I just, I think that um, her come, like we, we saw her kind of graduate from college as it were, and then come across and like try to make it in the real world. And all of a sudden, the real world is biting her back a little bit and she does seem extremely lonely and isolated in the North, but I don't feel like that would have been the case if they had had more time to let her get a little settled there. Like, I just think that, yeah, like, I think that this ostracization, this, um, ostracization of the, I can't talk, you know what I mean? Um, this sort of singling out of her and isolation of her is, understandable and i like the fact that they were like obviously westeros is not going to rejoice at the return of a targaryen they don't know especially after the last targaryen burn people alive on a regular basis like that was something i'm very glad that they've addressed especially when it comes to the north and the targaryens debt to the north and also john's kind of uh, like immediate John, John's sort of like quick decision to bend the knee to Daenerys. I'm glad that that was, that was addressed as well, but still I just felt like I'm like, so she's just going to leave and bounce and we're not even, she's not even going to make a speech to these people. She's not even going to like, there's well, not even going to be any outreach. I don't know. I, that's realistic, but if you think about Northern customs, you have Daenerys sitting there drinking a Starbucks cup <laughs> and you have Bran who clearly never had stepped foot in a Starbucks. He'll only drink at, artisanal coffee shops where he can you know only ones that play 
early 90s Radiohead, but not Pablo Honey. Uh, he was like into that place before it was cool, you know? Yeah, so he's not yeah. going to want Daenerys to come in there with his with her Seattle coffee, just trying to own the place when he's perfectly fine. He doesn't want anything, but he probably doesn't want Daenerys to win or else he would have told her about Euron at Dragonstone because we still don't really know what Bran knows. We we have a general sense of his knowledge and we also have an idea that Bran doesn't really... He, he It's almost like he doesn't care what happens because he said he doesn't have a want for anything. He's not really telling people... He knew that he knew that Viserion was an ice zombie, ice dragon, uh, but he he's not very forthcoming with other information. And to his credit, I mean, uh, to the thing about that situation is nobody seems to want to ask him either. <laughs> Tyrion asked him one thing, and he mentioned uh, Darren Targaryen, who people have looked. There yeah. should be a line out the door. Like, what happened to my mom? Am I, is my dad my real dad? Is my I mean, wife cheating like, on me? You know, stuff like that. Right? Lottery ticket. <laughs> absolutely what is cersei doing right now what is the state of dragonstone (laughs) is is sir jorah watch if as from a is he a force ghost watching daenerys and john have sex probably where are we at with the big ass arrows brian are are they yeah making them he, he doesn't want to tell and i i this is something that i guess i've been thinking about a lot and i don't you know it's a point that i i don't want to just like you know, beat the dead horse or beat the ice zombie horse. But, um, you, you know, the show opens it up with him just sort of, you know, he said to John when he was going to tell uh, Arya and Sansa about his parentage, he says, the choice is up to you. If I were him, I would have, you know, flipped that and said, you know, why don't you tell right. me what's going to happen to my future? You know, if 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 you're going to grant me this wish, I'm going to wish for a million wishes. Right. So I just I don't know. I, I and and I, I I really want to withhold judgment for what will happen with Bran until the end of the season because hopefully they have some kind of vision. But I also want it documented that I'm asking these questions so that I can <laughs> go around and say I told you so to people who d- probably don't even. Care. That's important. You've got to make your record. Sure. I think like you're. Yeah. Noted. I legitimately just mentioned two articles i wrote a year ago that accurately predicted what's going to happen this season so uh, that wasn't even on my own podcast so you go ahead my friend you take notes on what you're saying um i wanted one of the things that like i was touched on with bran as well that's sums up my sort of fifty thousand foot view of this episode is that i no one has learned anything and i i, I get that this is we still have two episodes left but sansa is sansa's Life hasn't taught her to be more trustworthy, to be more trusting of people. I mean, I guess Sansa makes sense. Sansa's a bad example, but John is still going to make, John is still making the same mistakes Ned made that got him killed. And Bran is still like, Jamie is still making the same mistakes he made that are going to eventually get him killed. I'm guessing. And the Hound is still focused on his brother and the fact that they are, the fact that we're pushing so hard for Clegane Bowl uh, when it's it's so completely irrelevant to everything. Oh, I hate Cleganbol. I'm just yeah, with a with a passion that knows no bounds. Um, that's exaggerating. I just don't want to see it. But it's no one. Yeah, no one sees. So no, no one is learning anything, and so it's just making me. And Daenerys is just 
losing her mind, kind of understandably so, given what's happened to her since she got to Westeros and what she sacrificed and what she is losing after a lifetime of kind of doing everything right for a long time. Um, but it's just sort of like, well, why am I invested in this right now? I feel like when they said bittersweet ending, now it's going to be a lot of sensational deaths and every victory is going to be a half victory. And I just miss, I miss that sense of like cheering that we had during battle of the bastards when John just beat the shit out of Ramsey. And when he took Stannis's plotline. Yep. It's fine with that. Fine with that. Mostly for that <laughs> shield and arrow scene. I was like bought and sold. Um, but I'm kind of a shill for production values. So don't, don't listen to me, but yeah, I just, and now I'm, I don't know if I'm just, if this episode just depressed me because it really felt like the death of Rhaegal was completely thrown away for really stupid reason. Um, I don't know if I'm just having less faith that the writing is going to get any better. I think it's probably not. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm losing. I don't like, and also like Danny was supposed to break the wheel. Why are we still fighting over who sits on that stupid chair? Well, I actually kind of, you know, I've been down on the Sansa Daenerys feud, but this episode, I actually, I was kind of into it just for the perspective of, sure, they made a deal. You help me. I, I have help you. But Dan- Sansa has to look out for the people in the north who are tired. They just fought a battle of the ice zombies. She knows Cersei's a mess. She doesn't really want to be part of Daenerys's army. You know, it's not honorable. I mean, it's hard to even say it's not honorable for her to want to, like, pump the brakes on it because it's not as if she doesn't have perfectly good reasons to not want uh, to not want to rush into things. So I actually if if Sansa's supposed to be really the person looking out for the north, I uh, I agreed with her. I think she's actually coming from a, a position of, of logic. Think- I wouldn't want to help. I I agree. Like the thing that's frustrating to me is that I kind of, as much as I wish Sansa and Danny, Danny would just, you know, make charm bracelets together and hang out. Um, I understand. I get specifically why Sansa is like, I'm sorry. I want no part of this. You don't need my land. You can't control it anyway. Why are you insist? Like if Danny, if Danny was like, fine, you guys can be your own separate country. This would like Sansa would be like, all right, yeah, whatever you want. This is cool. It wouldn't, it wouldn't. And so it's, I, I can't like, that's the, like, sadly, that's the thing that's most grounded for me is Sansa's dislike of Danny. Well, like if you ever play a four person Mario party game, some people try to make alliances, but there's only one winner. So there comes a point in time where you have to betray the person and say, actually, I'm going to make this move. I'm going to steal your star because it makes sense for me to do that. Um, Sansa Sansa's got her eye on the North and I applaud. Yeah. I I think Sansa is the one character who is making the smart decisions. um, The most consistently, I I completely agreed with what she was saying about, Hey, let's take a breath. Maybe let's maybe not rush full speed, full steam down uh, to meet Cersei's rested army. And also I, I think that she made, the right decision by telling Tyrion about John uh, for her position in the North, right? If she is out there trying to make the North as strong as possible and as independent as possible, it makes sense for her to use that to her advantage. Um, Whereas, yeah. And I think Danny is just really not listening here either. She's not really hearing what Sansa is saying, which is like, hi. I mean, like my land has been ravaged by assholes 
And I'm asking you to kind of not be an asshole. (laughs) And Danny just, Danny, I guess that's frustrating me about Danny too, is that she's so completely intractable. Like, I just don't think that she would be so, so intractable. I don't think she would be this stubborn. I don't think that, I don't think she'd be good enough. She is incredibly short-sighted. Like, like problematically so for me, just as a viewer. Well, speaking of, speaking of problematic, do we want to talk about uh, the Hound and Sansa? Uh, I was like at the same time so happy that this was happening, and then at the same time wanted to slap the shit out of him and whoever wrote that. I'm assuming we're yeah. we know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, certainly, the um, Sansa saying that you know, despite what happened with Littlefinger and Ramsay, she's stronger for it. She wouldn't be a little bird if that stuff hadn't happened to her. And I think anybody who has been in that kind of position where they've uh, been the recipient of abuse from somebody, um, you want her to have agency over her own life. Um, I think there's a way to do that that doesn't involve saying those words that she said. the, The thing is, like, those are things that you say when you fail at something like I didn't get into the University of Chicago. I really wanted to go there, and I was I was devastated from it. But I had a wonderful time at Xavier, the school I did go to. So it was good that I failed at getting into the University of Chicago. I can definitely say I like the person I am having gone to Xavier. You wouldn't say that. You're not ultimately going to silver lining a rape. You can look at that and say there were, yes, some. there were, like It did make me the person I am today, and I have found value in that. But it made, they made it seem like she was like, I'm actually kind of grateful it happened. It's just... That's not a way that you you parse trauma like that. Yeah. Uh, so speaking as somebody who has been sexually assaulted, but not necessarily in the way that the terrible way that that um, Sansa has, um, I, I I can relate to the notion that this is a coping me- mechanism. This is saying that you know it's it's something that I went through and um it made me who i am today is 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 a way of saying that's how i cope with it it's a it's a scar that i wear something like that um for me the the way that she said what she said it didn't seem like a coping mechanism it's a, it seemed more of of like a not a justification but but a way to sort of flippantly move the scene along um, and, and that was the, the disappointing thing for me, especially right after, like for, mm-hmm. for me, the really difficult part of that scene was what the hound said. Yeah. Um, which yeah, that's actually what I was referring to yeah. when I was like, wanted to slap the shit out yeah. of him. Which like, uh, man, guys, whoever wrote that was just, you know, uh, yes, that fits with the hound's character. The hound is not a sensitive person. We, we know that, but you don't have to <clears throat> refer to you know basically serial rape as um being what what whatever 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 you said something um like i heard you were broken in rough which is just a horrible way of uh, it's just just a horrible statement in general and yeah well thank you for sharing that clint i i am i cannot relate to this situation personally what i can understand is that you know, psychologically, the things that are done to us and the things we do, they all form us, right? Psychologically. But that to me is separate than kind of what Clint you were getting at there, which is just this theme of 
really lazy writing to me and the almost irresponsibly if they're veering really close to the sun on some really intense issues and then not treating those issues with the kind of responsibility that that deserves Mm -hmm. in the writing. Uh, And that to me then is, is almost just mindless, which is almost a greater sin. Like it, not respecting the power of your art. Yeah, that's something is, uh, that's something the show has done before with uh brand basically said not as bad as what uh the hound said, but uh the first, you know, the first reunion scene brand looks at right. her and basically was like, "Oh yeah, I I was watching, you know, I watched that horrific scene, which itself was also problematic because it right. was framed really through Theon's eyes like it was in the book." Right. Yeah, and and between that and um, I, I really watching, you know, I probably liked this episode a bit more than other people, even though there's so many different complaints. But I was sitting there on the couch laughing as Tyrion made the virgin joke to Brienne, thinking to himself, he's sitting at a table with a dude whose only sex, his sexual history has only been with his sister, and Tyrion. I, I, I just Tyrion. I, I don't really understand what high horse he's speaking from in terms of his sexual prowess. He's literally murdered uh, his last lover. Um, I'm sitting there like, who the hell does Tyrion think he is? And poor Brienne. I'm sure Podrick has, you know, a section of his things that he carries around where, you know, he's he's got Brienne's wand in there somewhere. Um, one's it's a that's a vibrator for people who don't. Uh, I got that reference. Grand's <laughs> not, not a witch. Just, just for, just for <laughs> listeners, um, not Harry Potter reference. More like uh, the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, different kind. No, I'm, I, I'm not. I mean, not, not a Harry Potter reference. I stopped myself before I said my dirty love. joke. Um, yeah, it's. I just. I don't know. What did you guys think of that? The whole Brienne. Well, let's open it up to the whole Brienne Jamie scene in general. I didn't, I kind of felt the same way about Tyrion's remark as I did about the Hound's remark that it was just like, can you, like, I don't think that, I don't think either of them would have spoken to these women like that. Brienne is not somebody that, I think Tyrion's nice, you know, I think that he likes to take the piss, but I didn't feel like, I don't know, that felt yeah. misplaced to me. And it also like, as much as I, and I think, um, Gwendolyn and Nikolai really sold the relationship between Jamie and Brienne, but I honestly, I thought the dialogue was so bad that I literally didn't understand some of it when like, I mean, I heard the words, but when Jamie gets into the, like, is he just supposed to be drunk when he gets into her room? So drunk that he's like, you didn't drink during the yeah. game. You didn't drink. And then he pours her one and he goes, the game. It, like, I'm like, what? It, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. It's, it's like the one guy at the party who's trying to get the pong uh, table back up and at, at like three in the morning and everybody's going home and you're just looking at him like it's over, dude. And yet he's in there trying to get laid thinking about the game. It, it was weird. I agree. Yeah. And then also just um, I, I just it, I felt bad for I'm, I, I love all the um, brainy women at close the door and come here. Like I just I love those ladies so much. And I love that podcast. And I don't ship anything on Game of Thrones because this is the kind of stuff that happens, I think. And so I just refuse to get emotionally attached that way. But I was hoping, hoping, hoping that it would be. Are you referring to a third Game of Thrones podcast? 
No, no. <laughs> it's not strictly a recap podcast. It is a Jamie and Brienne podcast. So I just heard silence. Wow. I know. I I got. I only got. I only have two more fingers on my hand to have a uh, name. Uh, name other- to just stick to one hand. <laughs> um, Jeez. But yeah, it's. I felt like it was. This is where I felt so badly that it was rushed. Like. I wanted them to have a, have a little bit more tenderness to like, I didn't want him to, I wanted her to like wake up and scoot into his arms afterwards or something. I don't know. I may just be like being like, I didn't order this. Give me something else. But I, I felt that while this was wonderful, it was also, I just thought a little too short. Well, I think I can speak for both me and Clint when I say Jamie is our favorite character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was a joke. That was just. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you well enough yeah. to know if that's sarcastic. Um, very much so. Uh, no, he's being honest, but he's not speaking. Yeah, for me. Jamie. Jamie is my favorite character, uh, and I was. So I was. Ha- I enjoyed seeing him be awkward and out of his element, and um, that was funny. Yeah, and it just kind of you know being at the most generous read, being like nervous teenager about it. Tyrion being a horny teenager was less entertaining to watch. Um, but I, I enjoyed the Jamie part, that scene, at least. It was really I did like. I did like how he kind of sunned Tormund. Like, Tormund got up to follow <laughs> Brienne, and Jamie's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, Tormund, I, I like Tormund a lot in general, but um, unfortunately... This whole the the brand stuff. It's just it's 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 like the low hanging fruit of writing. It, it's stuff like that. You sit there and you think to yourself, okay, these are the writers who won the Emmy for the Good Girl Bad Pussy episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, these are the same people. And Tormund, it's just it, he's an interesting character that's been reduced to this this sideshow. It's 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 laughable and. Um, I wish Jamie could have uh, trimmed his beard before he went into Brienne, because we all know, like a good gentleman, he went under the covers for a bit for uh, to make sure that Brienne's good time was uh, especially special. Um, do you, wait, do you guys like follow Iris Madison III um, on Twitter? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, he literally he he like live tweets the episode and the first one I retweeted the one where he said Brienne got the dick now <laughs> Brienne got the dick once and now she's in a melodrama. What kind of man wrote this? And then <laughs> immediately after he says crying over Jamie Lannister, he's fine, but you know, we don't eat the groceries. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he definitely doesn't. Well, cause Cersei was 100% the kind of woman who'd be like, no, don't do that. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I think she I topped him we pretty don't... hard. Um, generally. I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I am inclined to agree. So Fair. it wouldn't surprise me if she ordered him around at all, but she she needs an outlet for that. I just remembered that my mother <laughs> listens to all of these. So <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was <laughs> narrowing down the list of people I'll share this with, kind of throughout the course of the episode. So yeah, I was at the end of their sort of like when he finally goes when he does go back to Cersei. I just realized today I'm like, why didn't Brienne just club him over the head and tie him up? She is twice his size. It would have been, he has one hand. This would have been no contest. She could have legit had a sex slave and eventually he would have come around. (laughs) (laughs) 
He was essentially a sex slave before. I see. He kind of liked this one too. They did emotionally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that emotional uh, sex slave. Wow. Um, where do we go from there? I I almost don't want to even dignify the bronze scene with a second of airtime on this podcast because that's how stupid. <laughs> that's how stupid I think. I think uh, it was. I see. Braun should write this show. Braun should write the show. Like I watched that. He is the smartest person in Westeros by far. And he knows like he would have told them like, Hey, maybe before you go to Dragonstone, like Thunder Raven or something. I, I liked the fact that we got Jerome Flynn back just to Jerome Flynn all over the place. I don't care that it took him like a day and a half to get to Winterfell. I don't care if he flew, he entertained the shit out of me in a, in a way that I feel like I've been missing from the earlier what? seasons. Sorry, Ian, I, I really be different on this. Well, why did he why is he asking them for High Garden when places like Dragonstone are just abandoned? Why doesn't he just go take it? Well, he'll probably I would imagine he needs men and money. Like if he gets to the castle, he wants some kind of support. No, he just, but you know, also he just needs to run up to the castle, say dibs, and then wait for a dragon to come so he can <laughs> shoot his crossbow at it. I think he has to lick it, right? Yeah. But, exactly. <laughs> that is how that works. Yes. Yeah, where was, you know, if if Jamie had been uh, Brienne's sex slave, then she would have been there to stop Bronn from his threatening. Uh, yeah, if she just walked in and grabbed that crossbow and threw it out the window, like, go away. Get out. You were not welcome here. I yeah, I would have loved that. That would have, you know, redeemed any of the bad moments of the episode. Definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't particularly care for uh, the Bronn scene very much, but... Um, one reason why I was appreciative of it was um, during the scene, um, Tyrion starts talking about Varys's riddle, which is my favorite part of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. Um, and <laughs> Bronn cuts him off, uh, which is funny, but like there's this great scene where like Tyrion's trying to like pon- pontificate and repeat Varys's, the end of Varys's riddle, and he's like, Power resides where men believe it resides. And the, Bron is just like, shut up. Stop talking. Um, Where was Varys when that scene happened? Or was he watching other people have sex? He was swimming around in the reflecting, the non-existent reflecting pool. He's a mermaid. That's right. Presumably yeah. with yeah. everyone else in Westeros who was like, hey, that looks like Bron. <laughs> yeah, where are the guards? Yeah. He's got uh, a big weapon. Yeah. Should he be here? Well, uh, well no, he's we, leaving. We now know that that Winterfell is an open carry area, right? You can just walk around with whatever. It's like Stannis' battle camp. You just need 20. You don't even need the 20 good men. Bronn could just walk in there alone. (laughs) Bronn was just, well, yeah. It shows Bronn would have solved this whole continent's problems a long time ago. I just, I I liked the fact that they gave him lines like, kill a hundred people, they'll make you a lord. Kill a thousand people, they'll make you a king. Like, he is the kind of, his cynicism... And his survival instinct has remained really consistent from season one, and it remains very intelligent. He remains the guy who is really able to see the players on the board for what they are, and he's very not. Much. Yeah, and he and he's not overused, so he can he can maintain that kind of static character development um, or lack thereof, and it's still very entertaining. And even though I'm like, how did you get up here? Why is like what? what is going on okay but that's fine just keep talking like it's um he 
fits into this world better. And he's he's still playing at the top of his game. No one else is. Everyone else is stall- has stalled in their development, or they're just playing. They're punching down. Uh, I, I think, I think Cersei is. Um, well, it's hard to even say. I mean, she's been given so little to do, but um, I really, I, I Lena Headley is probably my favorite actress mm. on the show. I have grown to like Cersei more and more. Um, I think she didn't. You know, Daenerys should have gone and killed her last season. They obviously wanted to save her as a big bad. Uh, a lot of that is involved diminishing Daenerys's massive fleet, her big army. Um, but Cersei's just doing everything right. She It even makes the decision to make Kyburn Han um, make sense. I mean, she's got Euron Greyjoy, who looks like uh, an older Joshua Jackson. Like, she's got Pacey Witter just right there. Charlie Conway. <laughs> Those are uh, obscure Not popular that obscure. references for who uh, <laughs> yeah don't. that's depressing that's i don't know i mean you know you see the people with the mighty ducks jersey i even saw one at disneyland last week for uh the goalie uh goldberg goldberg i don't even remember goldberg yeah and i was like oh that's great um but you know, uh it to see cersei Still, uh, I, I just wish she... I, I honestly would have cheered if she just ordered the archers to start shooting at the 20 troops that Daenerys brought. I would have liked that a lot more. So that actually was... Um, if, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I did talk about that. I, mean, I was talking on Twitter with my cousin today, and this is super like fantasy nerd gripey, but the, you know they tried to recreate the... Um, kind of great minds meeting atmosphere of the dragon pit. And that's absolutely not what would have happened there, right? Like the, she knows that the Northern or Cersei knows the Northern threat has been dealt with. She knows the zombies and the Night's King are all dead. That's the only way Daenerys would be there. If Daenerys is there with 20, like 20 dudes and Cersei has arrows that apparently fly like unlimited distance there's no reason those aren't like dragon only arrows big ones right she's just gonna take them out right she that's cersei's whole character is the person who just takes people out that's what she's been proven to do and so to not do that here is to not just take the the clear shot at danny i mean much less the tiny tiny army of unsullied that are near her i mean it's right. that's an excellent point. I hadn't really I hadn't really thought of that just because I've been so in love with Euron Greyjoy and I just like them as a couple so much. Brooke has done that. He was he'll be such a good dad. What? Oh, yeah. We know that Clint is um very upset over uh I, I think the first tweet I saw about the episode was uh Clint mourning uh, a certain character. Um I, I've I've got some things to say, I think. Yes. I don't know if you're ready to talk about it. Um if you yes do is now when we just turn the floor over to clint so look I, I as a as a straight white male i am not necessarily the person to spout off about the um the racial or gender dynamics that um you know are engendered by cutting off the head of the one black or one woman of color left in the entire cast um simply as sort of a just uh as as a 
way to make everybody more upset at Cersei as if that was something that, um, we all needed to be. Um, but yeah, I, I, like seeing that scene, um, and seeing, you know, Grey Worm's reaction to it, um, Danny's reaction to it. I, I understand what they're going for is we want to isolate Danny in every, in every possible way. We want to take away all of, um, her people who support her. her we want to take away her best friend who, you know, is Masande. Um, but what are they doing really with, with that? Why is that necessary to do at this stage of the game? Um, and wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it make more sense for Cersei's character, for all of the backstory that we have to, if they're, if they have to kill somebody there to make this big fight worthwhile between Danny and Cersei, as if again, it needs more buildup at this point, but if they have to kill some, someone, wouldn't it make more sense for that person to be Tyrion rather than Miss Sandy? Um, wouldn't that be a payoff for all of the things that we've heard that we have seen between Tyrion and, and Cersei? It would also take away one of Danny's, you know, advisors. It's her hand um, and her most powerful ally at this point. Um, that would also isolate her. It would also be a payoff for the Cersei and Tyrion um, exchanges that we've had so, so many times and it wouldn't end with this terrible, you know, visual of Miss Ande, who again, setting, uh, all of the things aside that I've already said about, uh, the racial and gender dynamics, um, in play is by far the most beautiful person on this show. Um, and it hurt my heart, man. The nicest person in Westeros. Yes, yes. Um, so, I, like, this was... Uh, I had seen some... Like, the, the mm -hmm. there was a Twitter leak um, earlier, and so I had seen some tweets that strongly inferred um, that Missandei would, would, would die. Um, but the way it was done was so upsetting. And again, this goes back to my, my initial point, which was that I get what they're doing. It was very effective in making me feel things. I, I felt them, but I didn't enjoy the things that I felt. And I didn't enjoy um, what it says about where the show is going from, from here. So, um, and yes, RIP Miss Ande, she's uh, forever in my heart. I thought that it was so clunk. Like it was just the second half was so rushed and no, I mean, just, just from the, the attack on the boat, it, it wouldn't have been clear to anybody that she had been captured as opposed to just like drowned, you know, arrows are flying everywhere. Yeah. And, then and it's not we, like the fire and fleet was right next to them. No. And then so, even the, and, they know she's captured. They find out as soon right. as Brienne like says, Oh, they've been attacked. Miss Sanday is captive. It's like, how the hell right. do you know that? Like it was, it was such an awkward. And, and as soon as Brienne said that, I said to my partner who was watching, I'm like, "Oh, Miss Sande's a goner, obviously. Right. Like, there's no way she, she her capture gets mentioned twice, and she doesn't wind up dead." But I, I, I agree with what Clint said. I, I just thought it was clunky and stupid. And R.I.P. Miss Sande. And they put her yeah. in chains, you know. Like, and that goes back to what what Tom was saying earlier about like, look, if you're gonna 
bump up against these these issues, these issues around race, around gender, around sexual assault, around whatever, um, and then just clumsily insert this literal like symbol of slavery, um, it, you know, for for no real reason. It, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Anyway, sorry. I agree. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it was kind of vintage David and Dan, which I feel like they think this show is built on the Red Wedding. They think this show is built on shock and death value and nailing these really emotional moments. Like, that's what they go for. And it's just sort of like there's... I feel like I was so frustrated because I I can't... And I'm trying trying not to judge the show based on my own expectations. I was expecting there to be a lot of honorable, noble deaths last week, and there weren't, which was great. In that sense, but that also made me think like, crap, now there's going to be a lot of more, now there's going to be a lot more death. It's going to be a lo- lot more excruciating. And I feel like it's not going to be as valiant. And that's exactly what we're getting. We're not like, yeah, right. like I would have really, I wouldn't loved it, but it would have been the kind of tragedy that moves you and make you cry, made you cry to have Missandei somehow, both Missandei and Grey Worm lose during the battle of Winterfell, like maybe she breaks out of the crypts or something or just can't stay. I don't know. Something like that. As opposed to her. Like a rogue one style <laughs> ending. Yeah. 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 Essentially. Hands in the yeah, exactly. As opposed to just keep these characters around to give us fan service and then to mess with our emotions. It just, I agree. It feels very contrived and it, it might just be because of the speed, because at the end of the day, right. as much as I hate, I hate Jamie going back to Cersei, it makes a decent amount of sense. Um, as sad as that makes me for him, but Pod Pod Podrick is still in the north, I right? Hope so I hope he's still with those two ladies. He hasn't left that okay. room, dude. <laughs> he has the wand. He's he's cleaning the wand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brand's gonna need yeah. it. Um, I don't know exactly how much time it like showed episode time passes between when Rhaegal gets shot and Sandy's head comes off spoilers, but that in that would have been <laughs> almost an entire episode in the, if they were taking their yeah. time, right? Like the first mm-hmm. thing that happens in an episode and the last thing that happens and you could have had great character moments and emotional moments in between. And it takes, it's like 12 minutes of showtime or something. And it, it it's a, and then that clunkiness is what leads to the really unfortunate things that Clinton was talking about. Right. Because then you're relying on tropes to get you moving faster. And those tropes are problematic inherently. So, um, that was disappointing for sure. I think that's a really good point. And and it also bears repeating. And obviously, you know, we've talked about this, I think, or at least we've alluded to this before, but this notion that we have to move things along and that we, you know, like that's an artificial constraint that they put on the show themselves. Like they could have gone, believe me, HBO would have paid for an additional two episodes, three episodes, one episode, whatever it is. To take that, these guys have been exhausted. But they just decided, yeah, they just decided we we're done. We want to do it quick, and so we're going to do it quick. And so I, you know, I understand that this notion that we we've, we've only got X amount of time left, but that's something that you guys decided to do. Um, and so, 
I, I don't give them a pass for that at all. Either because the more I think about it, and this is I, I don't obviously know these guys personally. I am not in the Game of Thrones where at a room, none of us are like this is all, and I understand how that perspective can change things. And I don't think they hate their jobs by any means. But when I look at this from a distant eye, I think they signed on to do a show that HBO didn't have a whole lot of confidence in. It didn't get the budget that it has now at the start. I mean, it's kind of laughable how little it has. And it did take a minute to pick up. And they had all of this source material to work with. I don't think these guys ever planned on having to do this much by themselves. I think they know it's out of their depth. Or they think they can do it, but people react badly to the stuff that they put out. And they're just exhausted. And they're tired of it because every time I've seen them at a convention, they just look completely annoyed to be there. Not necessarily, but they just look completely deflated and frustrated. They dread the Q&As because people are always up there being like, why aren't you doing this? Which I get. Um, And then even in, I remember reading, I think it was Benioff who said like, or one of one of them said in an e weekly article or something, they're like, Oh, what are you gonna be doing on the last on the finale? And he's like, I will be somewhere far away from the internet getting wasted. I'm paraphrasing. And it just they always sound like they have such love for their actors. And but the show really sounds like a job to them. It's it sounds like something that is t- that is that they li- they literally don't get days, they don't get a break, like they don't really get a hiatus break. Um or haven't for the last couple of years. And I can understand all of this, but I feel like it's, they, they have the reins of something that's such a huge part of the zeitgeist in a way that's pretty, that's pretty unparalleled and pretty unprecedented. And it frustrates me that they're, they don't seem to be taking much joy in it. And I feel like that's showing in what we're getting on the screen. Not the actors, but yeah, it frustrates me. I mean, well, as a writer, I, I don't, Whenever I whenever I get sent an indie movie that just has really a really bad script, and I sit there and I'm like, okay, bad special effects I can live with, um, bad acting, you know, you can hire X amount of people, but like, they should hire more. Like, if 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 they're not, if this is a job to them, and you know, obviously we can't speak for them, um, hire somebody else. Like, there's no this this notion that you know I alone can. Fit, fix this you know it's something that it, the idiot in the white house would always talk about um it they can uh, find somebody else to write a better script if if you're if this is so 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 much hell for you well i think that's the ego of it too like now they're getting now they have a star wars trilogy which blows my mind i don't know who the who in holy hell thought that would be a good idea i'd be like absolutely give these yeah 100 percent do it well, they're the, I mean, them and J.J. Abrams are the only people who are capable of writing a writing a Star Wars. So that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I, I and yeah, it's difficult to you know. I, I I don't know where their heart is, but if their heart isn't in it, you know, there's plenty of people. You can look on Twitter. You'll find plenty of very passionate people who will write something that is better than Missandei's head flying off ten minutes after Regal gets harpooned out of the sky. For no reason. Well, and like, like, why couldn't she have just jumped herself? I was like, oh, what if she just jumps? What if she's like, fuck you? I was was hoping for that. No. And then Tyrion broke her fall and died. Yeah. Yep. I guess it did bring the mountain. (laughs) You know he would have tried to catch her. He would have run forward a couple of steps. Um, I think 
they did the mountain back in our in our in the public consciousness which i think i think why they did that was so we could hate the mountain again because for the past couple of seasons he's been this sort of like um brainless witless champion of cersei's and he's you know he's he's as almost his public image has improved while he has been her guardian because for a while Cersei was very victimized and we kind of wanted to see her with a champion that could just shatter people like Lancel Lannister and shatter people like the faith of the sevens or like the, the faith militant. So, but now is now it's time for Clegane Bull. So he's got to be evil again. That is a great point that I hadn't thought of, but we, yeah, you have to hate him going into next week, which is a good point. Um, the, the one thing kind of that we've, just a little color to add to the previous conversation. One of my least favorite aspects of the show is when I feel like I can see through the show, uh, into it being a created endeavor. And what I mean by that is how convenient it is to take away like a CGI budget worth of Rhaegal, which is just the only thing that that felt like to me. Um, mm. like, that's what I, ghost yeah. felt like. Yeah, too. which is exactly like ghost. The same exact thing, which like you're telling me John wouldn't have at least given us a little bit of a pat on the head, you know? Um, or did you just not want to animate that? Right. And God, that's such a downer. Yeah. yeah. And when I can see through it in that aspect, that is the, the biggest downer for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Roger Rabbit had better CGI than John and Ghost. <laughs> Kim Renfro just just posted a, an interview with David Nutter who directed the episode and he basically admitted that the, that the reason why John didn't pat ghost on the head is because of the CGI budget. It's like, okay, right. Well, great. That's nice. It's also why we didn't get the go. ice spiders fuckers. Anyway, oh, um, I forgot about the ice spiders Poor Clint. Boy, you've had a really bad, you've had a bad stretch with game of Thrones, buddy. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah it sucks. <laughs> I that's I, I I hate to like be down in the mouth about this because I like like I'm a person who who's read the books yeah. and loves the books and is like does like there's no way that they compare to the show like or the show compares to them and but I'm somebody who's really able to manage my expectations of the show and find enjoyment in it mm-hmm. where yeah, I a lot of people the episode like, yeah. I, and I know a lot. I I know a lot of people who did to a degree. I think um, it's frustrating to not. It's frustrating to have this sense of foreboding. And I don't know. Maybe if I'm just having a bad week, but I'm with you, Clint. I just I'm worried for what this means for the last two episodes. Uh, if I stop and think, like, oh, there are literally there are two more episodes of this, then I like I can't even conceptualize how we get there. Honestly, from like from where we are no. right now, other than we rely on trope, right? And, well, and that's... right. Yeah. I mean, in the preview, uh, in the preview episode we did a couple weeks ago, we talked about a lot of uh, potential scenarios for the finale, and I'm just kind of figuring out how all of this gets them to Dario in a diner with the, with the <laughs> Don't Stop Believing playing in the <laughs> background while uh, John is ordering the onion ring. Or Sansa wakes up in a bed and finds Bob Newhart sleeping next I'm to her. I'm telling you, my, with the uh, onion I just, like a tower. I gotta wonder, though, I did wonder for, briefly for a second if Bran telling Tyrion before, like, God, can he just start floating already? Because it's funny. Um, Bran telling Tyrion, I don't really want anything. I live mostly in the past now. Like, if that's the end of Bran's story, I will 
be extremely unhappy. But I have part of me is wondering, I'm like, are you guys going to make Bran go back in time to affect the past in a way that makes all of this better? Yeah, he's got to get the Infinity Stones. I mean, part of me, I now have a new appreciation for time travel, but. The mirror, I, the mirror universe. He has to go find Goatee's Spock and uh, Smiley oh from Deep Space Nine. If, if anybody listening can follow every popular culture reference mentioned in this episode, please contact me. <laughs> we just need some sports. Like, yeah. yeah. You've just made new friends. <laughs> it was on. It was on Twitter today, so Clint's probably seen it. But uh, my biggest nit to pick is just that randomly these super advanced mechanical crossbows show up, right? Not even just that we, we can assume that they've been making more scorpions. Got it. But that somehow, like, to me technological improvement in a fantasy series or in a sci-fi series is like a thematic through line of, of a show or a series or a a book. And so to just have this random leap in technology that allows like men to sit on a ship with a swiveling crossbow that winds mechanically uh, that was such a leap to me that it it was so frustrating because either Kyburn is literally the most intelligent person that's ever lived in this universe or like what stopped someone from making this hundreds of years ago when the first Targaryens showed up. That's right? a good point. And so that, that was just so inconsistent to me uh, that it was just really frustrating that that is the thing that this random leap in technology is the thing that took out a dragon, which like you were saying is they're the, the nuclear weapons of this world. Right. Mm -hmm. And the WMDs, not that they shouldn't be eliminated somehow, but that it was just so random. It it feels like that really, I don't know. That really upset me and annoyed me to see. I mean, you're on Grazer did build a thousand ships in like three weeks. Yeah. With the, that's true. Just the timber that they can find on the Iron Island. <laughs> on Rock Islands. <laughs> I agree with everything you said, but I still really, I think, I mean, I, I guess some people probably also agree, but I love every Euron scene. I think he's great. Oh I God. love, I, I hope that he doesn't care. You know, when Tyrion was mentioning that Danny, I mean, uh, that when Tyrion was mentioning that Cersei was pregnant oh was already pregnant yeah and, and Euron, you know Tyrion's been in the north if you're Euron, uh logic would say gee maybe that's not my kid i would love a world where he doesn't even give a shit about that oh yeah 100 percent. Like, yeah where he's just like yeah. okay i'll take the power i don't you know need <laughs> i'll kill your brother yeah i don't Don't need a kid with a little baby with a great handlebar mustache like i'm planning on killing you anyway man like this i don't really care about the 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 legalities the fine print of this all (laughs) (laughs) right i want to separate how cool you're on in said crossbow thing versus (laughs) the fact that it existed those to me are separate dialogues Kilo Eisbeck is responsible for so much, like, ad- like wonderful cognitive dissonance for me. Like, on the one hand, I'm like, this is just so stupid. On the other hand, boy, you are just okay. selling it to me, sir. Yeah, Hook, line, and stinker. Okay. He, uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful, wonderful 
human being, and I enjoy they, all of your they, unseens, even if they're stupid. But they are. Oh someone give um, a guitar, but please. Can I talk about one thing that I really actually did like about this episode? Uh, and I did like a lot a lot of things about this episode, but the Oh yeah. Um mm, sure. like, you know, all of the Arya stuff, um, all of the Sansa stuff. I loved the conversations between Tyrion and Varys uh, about the nature of power and and you know who they should back and what they were what they were doing. Um, I'm sort of writing, or I am writing a, a post um, on laws of ice and fire about a very similar topic that should hopefully be published this week. But um, one thing that I really loved about the episode um, was something that our friend Matt uh, Joe Magician mentioned on Twitter today is that uh, John essentially decided not to live with the same secret that Ned lived with his entire life. Um, and we saw the immediate consequences of essentially what would have happened if Ned had told, say Catalan or whoever mm-hmm. um, ab- about John's parentage. Um, and, you know, Sansa is essentially Catalan in so many different ways. Um, I thought it was really fascinating and that it was such a great um, observation by Matt, but it really crystallized this notion that like, so John had the secret for what, a couple of days. Um, and he decided he didn't want to live with it in the same right. way that Ned had that secret, um, for his entire life. Um, and Ned obviously did keep it. And I, I, I just love that thematic parallel and the way, um, the show diverged from that, uh, or John decided to diverge from that. I, I just thought that that was fast, fascinating and, and really cool. Uh, I agree. Um, as somebody who kept a very big secret for a long time and did tell some people who didn't fill the beans, I approach from that. Uh, I approach that. I, I don't blame her for telling, but it doesn't make it right. And she, I mean, she had a choice. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I, I'm glad that he's not keeping that secret because the scene with Danny and John where she's like, you know, you have to live as a bastard. You can't tell anybody. It's just like she's forcing him in this weird closet of shame that I I thought that was. Well, it's clearly so much of her panic and it's clearly a selfish request. Like Danny is not doing this for the good of their relationship as much as she might. Right. That might be partly it, but Danny's doing this because she knows he'll win. She knows she's not popular. She knows he's a dude. She knows he's, he has the more rightful claim, even though part of me is like, really, are people just going to buy this? Like, because I feel like that would ennoble like a lot of people to be like, I'm actually a Targaryen <laughs> master. Yeah, I agree. Especially because he doesn't <laughs> look like one. Right. Exactly. And I think my frustration overall, too, with this is that we're all sitting here arguing about, no, not us, but like everyone's sitting there arguing about like, who should, like, maybe it should be John. John's going to be better at it. Like, Dan is going crazy. I'm like, it doesn't, okay, John might be good at it. John might be a better ruler than Danny. I have my doubts about that because I think absolute power corrupts absolutely. And even John, by just virtue of wanting to help everyone, would probably screw things up to a degree. Tywin makes that point a long time, like Tywin made that point several seasons ago talking to Tommen. But the point is, even if John's a perfect king, his kids might not right. be. And Danny's kids, even if Danny's a shitty queen, her kids might not be. The problem with this whole thing is legacy. Like, this is a system that doesn't work. I'm, 
I liked the the scene between Tyrion and Varys quite a bit because because those guys are actually like because that's the kind of meat that we ha- that we don't right. get on Game of Thrones much anymore. But um, but the but I thought like Danny was supposed to come over here and break the wheel, and really this whole thing is only worth it for me, especially now that the Night King was dispatched with such ease. This whole thing really is only worth it for me if they figure out something innovative and new to do with this government that doesn't involve an absolute monarchy, which has clearly caused all these problems. Balkanization. Balkanization. Yeah. And I got that word in the podcast. I've been bad at that. But <laughs> nice. uh, we've said balkanization, which is good. Um, do we want to move into final thoughts? Sure. Sure. Okay. Who wants to go first? Not it. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, oh god Uh, okay so (laughs) i'll go i'll go uh i do i probably have not been i wouldn't say that i was super positive on the episode as a whole but i did enjoy it i mean the like clint was saying the the things that they wanted to affect me affected me the problem was just that i could tell that they were wanting to affect me as opposed to like um episode two this year where I was just in it. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so it's, it was unfortunate. It it was absolutely not the worst episode of game of Thrones that I think we've gotten, but, um, there were some unfortunate decisions that seemed to cast this, um, color over the whole thing that, uh, they're just going to have to live with because they didn't make really responsible decisions with their writing. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, I, I sold, I told a friend of mine after the first three episodes that I was prepared, uh, for this to be maybe the, the greatest season of Game of Thrones. Cause I, I really liked, I mean, I loved that second episode. Mm-hmm. I liked the battle of Winterfell and I was, you know, kind of in, I was like, that was a bold decision to kill the Night King in that way. Holy shit, what are they going to give us um, over the last three episodes? And now I am not as, as uh, uh, in. Uh, in on that. Yeah, I, I'm not thinking that's going to happen. Um, I, I just, like I said, I, I think this episode, for what it was trying to do, it worked. Um, I just didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it. Um, and that that sucks. But um, I'm, I'm still hopeful that the last two are going to give us, you know, something great. I think that there are seeds that are planted that could give us something great. Um, you know, I'll I'll cross my fingers, but, um, my expectations have been lowered considerably. I I very much feel the same. My confidence is shaken. And cause I like, again, going back to the fact that as a, a person who I usually find something to really like about this show and I, I was really, I was hard pressed. I was, I was conflicted about every single thing I liked this week. And I also felt it felt kind of abusive in a way. I'm, I'm not using that term literally, but a kind of the way Tom was talking about it being contrived and designed to make you feel a certain way. I don't like, it just, um, it felt like we're going to get things for sensationalistic shock value and to tie this up in the most quote memorable way or paradigm shifting way. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be a good story, which is what makes those painful deaths worth it is that, Oh, it's an excellent story and it sucks. That these people died. But if you just shoot rig all of the sky for kind of no reason, then it's really upsetting. Um, yeah. So my faith is, my faith is shaken, but I will say I wrote an episode. I wrote an article last 
last night about Clegane Bowl because I was in such a bad mood that I was, um, somebody was like, do you want to write this? And I was like, yeah, I'm in the perfect mood to write about Clegane Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but as I was writing it, I realized, um, I was filling out the last part of it. And I was like, what's interesting is going to be how he actually gets to his brother because the hound doesn't give a shit about John or Danny. Let's be honest. He's, he did what he came to do in sort of in fighting for the living. And now it's all about his brother. And I don't think that he's going to risk his, I would be surprised if he risked his life again for John or Danny, just for the chance to get in King's Landing when there's a good chance that he could get killed doing that. And it occurred to me that he is traveling to King's Landing with a spy who can change her face and who also knows a backdoor inside of the Red Keep. So I'm hoping that both of them sneak into the Red Keep in the next two episodes and we get some good Arya Hound action to close it all out. Well, I was really worried when Masande said Dracaris because to me that was a throwback to earlier in the episode when Davos was talking about the Lord of Light. And it seems clear that what Daenerys, we didn't get confirmation that the new Shireen survived the attack on the boats, but it seems <laughs> as though she was brought to Dragonstone for the purposes of Daenerys burning the new Shireen so that the Lord of Light looks with favor upon her attack of King's Landing. Now, I'm still traumatized. I still... Uh, the the I still haven't watched the season five episode where that horrible thing happened, and it it's dawned on me that it'll be hard to do a podcast episode if I'm forced to watch yet another girl burning for the sake of a battle. But I'm trying to brace myself. I hope at least maybe Davos will get there in time to cook some more soup for the uh, soldiers before the battle. I hope that'll happen. But um, overall, I actually you know. Every criticism, every, you know, people could say, oh, you must have hated this episode. You criticized it constantly. Uh, you know, we're in the end game now to quote Tony's, uh, to quote Dr. Strange. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the ride. I liked the episode. I plot holes be damned. I don't really care. <laughs> I, I'm having, I'm having, I'm having fun. We, we, you know, we have two more episodes of this. Uh, I can't think of another show where I would organize weekly recaps to talk about it so i'm just taking in the moment i'm having fun right, sure. i i i, I, I like the episode it's so, fun if you let yourself have fun yeah it's like yeah, you're on Greyjoy, right like he's having a blast we might <laughs> just, as well go. just shut your eyes and let the gray joy wash over you yeah yeah that was really um, gross <laughs> you know <laughs> criticism can coexist with enjoyment and we right. shouldn't we shouldn't let all of these things pass because, uh, you know, all the points that have been made have, you know, been very valid things to say about all of these sort of uh, plot holes or issues. But, you know, this is uh, this is, a, you know, a really singular moment in television lore. We're probably not going to get some. Na- I mean, we could we could. I mean, it, it's hard to say never say never. But um, Game of Thrones, I remain. Uh, as good as ever and i know everybody else does too but um, it's good to end on a note where we um still take in the fact that there's a reason that people uh gather on uh tuesday mornings because that's when the episodes are posted um there's a reason people gather get up early in the morning to talk about game of thrones um it's because we love it and that's a great uh that's a great thing so um do we want to i i want to thank everybody for coming on it was uh really a good conversation a great substantive discussion 
And uh, do you guys want to tell us where we can find you in your uh, when you're not podcasting on the only Game of Thrones podcast besides the other two that mm-hmm. were mentioned? <laughs> sure, I'll go first. Um, I'm Clint. Uh, you can find me at lawsoficeandfire.com or Westeros Law on Twitter. Also, Clint W on Twitter, where I talk about sports a little bit more than uh, on Westeros Law. Yeah, and uh, my name is Thomas. You can find me on Twitter uh, on T H A N K I N forty one. That's T Hankin forty one. And uh, like Clint, it's it's going to be a little bit more sports. Uh, I try. I kind of go through my monthly random focuses of topics. So be prepared for anything. Uh, my name is Alexandra August, and you can find me at ALX August, and you can also find my more of my thoughts on Goth, on Game of Thrones at my podcast, Got Thrones, which is at Got Thrones PCast on Twitter, co-hosted by my good friend Johnny Kolosinski. We'll be probably dropping an episode Wednesday or so, and then um, you can read my writing if you want at Comic Book Resources, Screen Rant, and Fandom. And I would just add, uh, Johnny was on the show last oh, week, yeah. and Alexandra was on the show the week before. So we've had three weeks of people who are on another Game of Thrones <laughs> podcast, which is funny because there's so Such few a coincidence. of them to get. It's cool that there's a crossover between the only two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we we have certainly enjoyed having you guys. So uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, uh, thank you to everyone for taking. Thank you to everyone for participating. Boy, that's tough to get out. Um, and to you, the listener, uh, I should have an episode on Thursday, which you probably, I don't even know why I'm plugging another episode in this. Everybody, thank you for listening. Bye. I'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.